Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hello, this is Rick with Marriage by the Book. And yeah, our goal at Marriage by the Book is to see the divorce rate in the church at 0% and marital happiness at 100%. And some people might think, well, that's not that's not possible. Yeah, you know, we really need to change our thinking because if we believe the Bible, we need to believe it is possible because the Bible says in Matthew 19:26 that all things are possible with God. You know, every marriage has a chance of complete success if we'll just do things God's way. Rebecca and I have mentioned these things before, but Rebecca and I, my wife, Rebecca, you know, the first couple of years of our marriage were really terrible. They were bad. And really a big part of the reason we do what we do is because we don't want to see anyone else go through what we went through. And you don't have to. You really don't. You can learn from instruction uh, rather than experience, and you can avoid a whole lot of problems by doing that. Anyway, thanks for listening to this to this podcast. I just want to really thank you for that. And please, if you would, please like it, share it, review it, subscribe to it. You know, believe it or not, we're being censored by social media. You know, we're taking a a biblical stand on marriage, teaching biblical marriage. And because of that, we're being censored. Uh, You know, we have several thousand followers on Facebook. And recently, it started that if we share something on Facebook, including this podcast, basically no one sees our posts. You know, where hundreds of people used to see these things, now almost no one does, basically no one. So we're no longer able to upload videos and things to Facebook. It's just been, basically, we're being censored there. So if you would, you know, we can, uh, it would really be a big help if you would like it. You have to go on uh, facebook.com slash marriage by the book and on purpose find these things maybe. But if you would like it, share it and review it and comment on it, that would really help boost it out there because it'll show uh, the people at Facebook that people want this kind of content. So we need biblical marriage teaching, so I'm asking to do that. Anyway, on with the podcast. Today, I want to talk about getting a grip on yourself or self-control, you could say. Self-control is a good thing, and it's important in marriage, okay? Have you ever noticed that you can get angrier with your spouse than with anyone else? It's true. You know, we love our spouse more than anyone else, but we also have higher expectations of them as well. And because of those expectations, uh, it just seems like you could get madder at your spouse than anybody else. You know, there have been times when I would like hold Rebecca to a standard that I don't really even want to hold myself to. That's not fair to her. But because of those kind of expectations, it can cause anger when that person doesn't meet those expectations. You know, Rebecca says this often. She'll say it when we're doing conferences and things and teaching. She'll say that she could get angry, angrier with me than with anybody else, you know. And it's true. So when people get really angry, they can lose self-control. Think about that, man. We can scream and sometimes maybe even throw things. And say things we shouldn't say and say things that we don't even mean just because we're mad, just because we've lost control. And, you know, 
I mentioned this, I think, in the last podcast, but there's an old saying from the playground, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And that's really not true. The words we speak to our spouse can be very hurtful and very lasting. So we really need to have self-control. We need to control ourselves. That's what this is all about. Um, you know, think about this. Sometimes people will, will even use their personality maybe to justify their lack of self-control. You've probably heard things like this. You know, somebody might say, well, you know, why are you always so rude? One spouse will say to the other. And then they'll answer, I'm not rude. I just have a, a very direct personality. You know, you don't have to be very direct just because your personality tends to that. You can control that. Uh, here's another one. Why don't you just hang the picture? One spouse might say, maybe the wife to the husband. He might reply, ah, what's the rush? We've only lived here two years. Do you know I have a laid back personality? See, there again, using their personality as an excuse. Uh, another thing you might hear is something like, you know, why are you always late? Well, I'm late because I can never find my keys. I've never been organized. It's just my personality. So we use personality to excuse our quirkiness, our shortcomings, or whatever. And we really can control these things. We can. And we tend to justify our behavior with those things by saying it's just my personality and you're just going to have to get used to it. That's really not fair because... I'll tell you why it's not fair. Galatians chapter 5 lists the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't want to get into all that right now. But the fruit of the Spirit is available to every born-again Christian. If you're a Christian, if you got your faith in Jesus, you know, um, the fruit of the Spirit's available to you. And one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So those fruit of the Spirit are, are levelers. Even when it comes to our personality, they can level our, our personality out and make us a more kind, whatever type person we need to be. The fruit of the Spirit are there to help us with that. So we shouldn't be using our personality as a crutch uh, to excuse our behavior, to justify our behavior. Yeah, and then there are also some people justify their behavior in different ways. They might say, well, you know, I have a bad temper because my mom had a bad temper and my grandmother had a bad temper. It just runs in my family. That's just the way it is. You know, some people might say they have a bad temper because of their hair color. Like, you know, there's this thing about redheads are supposed to have a bad temper that's just a stereotype that is not true okay um here's another thing people might say you know uh, I, I always say what i think that's just the way i am god made me this way really you know that's not how god made you that's how we've made ourselves a lot of time it's it's godly wisdom not to say what we're thinking you can probably agree with that it's it's a good idea not to say what you're thinking and I do that a lot. Yeah, I'll be thinking something when I'm talking to someone. And I just, I'm not going to say what I think because uh, they may not be able to receive it or it might not come across right or, or they don't really want to know or whatever, you know. But anyhow, um, sometimes it's good just to be quiet. People think you're smart when you're quiet a lot of times. So here's one. How about this? Some people say, well, you know, the devil made me do it. Uh, but do you know the devil can't make you do anything? A lot of people may not realize this, but he can't. Think about it. If he could make you do something, you would never get born again, okay? He, would, he wouldn't want you accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You'd never get born again. The devil can tempt you. He can bring thoughts to you, but he can't control you. Only you can control you. Now, the devil would love for you to blame him because if you can blame him, You'll have a reason for staying the same and not changing your behavior, okay? As long as it's not your fault, as long as you can um, you blame him, you can just stay the same. But again, the devil can't control you. You control you. 
Think about the story of the madman of Gadara. It's in the Gospels in Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8. The madman of Gadara was, he, he lived among the tombs and he cut himself and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he was possessed by a legion of demons. You know, a legion, a Roman legion was 6,000 soldiers. So if he's possessed by a legion of demons, that must mean he's, he was possessed by a lot of demons, 6,000 demons. Despite that, he ran up to Jesus, fell at his feet, and worshipped him, okay? Now, I do not believe it was the demons worshiping Jesus. It was the man. So the point here is, though, that the demons couldn't stop him. He was able to control himself. So let's just put aside any excuses and come back to the question, can we control ourselves? And I think the answer is obvious here. Yes, we can. We can control ourselves. It's amazing how much self-control a person can have in the right circumstances. And, of course, we're talking about having self-control in marriage, okay? Here's an example that Rebecca uses pretty often. You know, imagine someone who has an anger problem and they're abusive toward their spouse. Now, that's a horrible situation, but they might say, you know, I've got this anger problem that I I just can't control. But you know what? Even though they say they can't control their anger, if you put a policeman next to that same person, somehow they can just, you know, miraculously control themselves. It's a matter of whether they want to or not. Okay. Let's talk about an example that might hit a little closer to home. Let's say Rebecca and I, maybe you've had something like this happen to you. But let's say you know, Rebecca and I are we're in an argument or a heated discussion in our house, okay? And um, we suddenly notice that someone has pulled up in our driveway and we're looking out the window and in the midst of our anger and our uh, you know uh, heated discussion that we're having with each other, we notice that you know, maybe a ministry friend or a pastor gets out of the car and starts walking toward our hell house. You know, guess what? By the time that person arrives at the front door, We've miraculously found self-control. You know, we open the door. We say, good morning. How are you? Isn't it a wonderful day? You know, we're able to control ourselves, whereas it's just a matter of whether we want to or not. Maybe a few minutes before, what we wanted to do was argue. We wanted to to get into it and try to get our way. But uh, because of the presence of someone else, you know, we we uh, were able to get self-control. But people can control themselves. Again, it's it's a matter of whether they want to or not. Galatians 5.23, I mentioned this earlier, it lists self-control as one of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, every born-again Christian has the fruit of the Spirit, and they have the fruit of self-control at their disposal. It's something you can do. And other scriptures talk about this as well. Listen to 2 Timothy 1.7 in the modern English version. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You know, self-control is something that we have at our disposal if we will choose to use it. It's a matter of whether we want to or not. Um you know, the Bible says in several places, we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, sight is a, a physical sense. We can't allow our senses, we can't, can't allow our emotions to dictate our actions. Okay, so let's apply all this to marriage here. You know, early on, Rebecca and I, as I said earlier, we had a really bad marriage. First couple of years of our marriage were, were terrible. I used to say it was one of the top five worst marriages of all time. Of course, I have no way of knowing that. I just would say that to try to illustrate how bad it was. But our marriage was bad. 
So after a couple of years, God kind of got a hold of us, and that's a whole other story. Actually, there's an entire chapter uh, in our book dedicated to our testimony that tells that story. It's Marriage by the Book um, is the name of the book, as well as the podcast you're listening to. But God got a hold of us, and we began you know, working on our, our marriage, and we decided that divorce was not an option for us, okay? Again, we're applying self-control to the marriage relationship here. So we made a decision, okay, to cut off divorce as an option for us. Just made a decision that divorce wasn't going to be an option. You know, it's, it's interesting. That word decide comes from the Latin de sidere, I think is how you say that. And de sidere means to cut off, okay? So when you make a decision, you're cutting off other options. So when Rebecca and I decided divorce wasn't an option, we just absolutely cut that off as an option. So it was no longer an option for us. We had to work it out somehow, okay? So that's the only thing left is to work it out. Anyway, several times, Rebecca and I would get into an argument. And Rebecca, this happened uh, several times, maybe, I don't know, three or four, something like that. She would get angry and mention divorce, okay? She says now that she would bring it up because she was afraid I was going to say it, and she didn't want me to say it first. She wanted to be the first one to say it because if I said it, it would be devastated, and she just didn't want me to have that on her. So anyway, we'd be in these arguments. She'd mention divorce, and I would be so mad. I'd be so angry, so up in my emotions that I wanted to say, fine, you know, there's the door, let's get a divorce. But I had made a decision. We cut off other options, that divorce was not an option for us. So what I chose to do, rather than let my emotions dictate what I said and saying, agree, and let's just get a divorce, that wouldn't have been productive, right? What I did was exercise self-control despite how I felt, despite the emotions, despite the answer, and I stuck with the decision. So I told her, and this happened, like I said, quite a few times. I told Rebecca through clenched teeth, I love you and I'm committed to you. Divorce is not an option. I don't know how, but we're going to work this out. And that's what I would tell her, something almost word for word, just like that. Uh, And we did work it out. That's the thing. We did work it out. We cut off other options. And Rebecca says now, that by demonstrating that commitment to her, that loved her is really what that was, it began to drive out insecurity, and she began to realize, you know what, that I really was committed to her, and that greatly helped our marriage. It helped her to be secure in our marriage. So, you know, as I said, we've already been given a spirit of self-control. It's there. We've got the fruit of self-control. It's there as well. We just have to exercise it. And practice makes perfect. You know, exercise will strengthen the self-control muscle. <laughs> exercise will strengthen that self-control muscle. Um, I just, um, just a side note here has nothing to do with this. Just yesterday, I completed a Spartan sprint. It's a, like an obstacle course race. It's 20 obstacles and, and uh, almost four miles. And uh, anyway, Today, I'm pretty sore. I'm thinking that exercise I did yesterday is going to strengthen some muscles I didn't even know I had. But anyway, self-control exercise it will strengthen your self-control muscle, so to speak. If you practice self-control, it will take you a long way to a good marriage. And the more you practice self-control, the stronger you'll become in controlling yourself. So get a grip on yourself and on your marriage. Apply this 
and you'll have a better marriage, you know? And I said this last time, this comes from James chapter one. We need to do what we hear. In James one, it says, if we hear the word and don't do it, we're deceiving ourselves. And it also says, it's the doers of the work that are blessed in what they do. So don't just let these podcasts be something you hear. You know, hear them and do them. Don't just hear. You know, apply self-control in your relationship and the other things we're talking about here. Now, as always, I like to answer a question <clears throat> that we receive from uh, uh, people out there just like you. And uh, today I'm going to do that as well. So here's the question. My husband and I have been married for six years and I've come to dislike sex. He resents this and I know it shouldn't be this way. Help. Okay, so that's the question. So here's the answer that we sent back to this person. I'm going to read this to you. Go get your husband and tell him to come and read this with you. I promise he'll be glad he did. First, understand that a good sexual relationship is an important part of a strong marriage. A dissatisfying sexual relationship is too common. If one partner doesn't enjoy it, the pleasure of the other partner is lessened too. This results in less frequent and less satisfying sex. The solution is simple. Serve each other in bed. Men and women tend to be stimulated differently. Men are stimulated by sight, and women are stimulated by romance and foreplay. Men tend to get stimulated more easily and quickly. And These are tendencies, not always, but these are tendencies. But men tend to get stimulated more easily and quickly, and they are ready right now. But it tends to take longer for the woman, okay? Listen to 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 4 from the New King James Version, okay? Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Let me just interject right there. So it's, it's, it's okay to ask questions in church. That's what we're doing. That's what they did here with the Apostle Paul who wrote 1 Corinthians 7. It's, it's good to ask questions. We need to be talking about sex in church. We need to be teaching about sex in church, and the Bible has a lot of good stuff to say about sex. So it's good to ask these questions. So that's the first one. Um, verse 2 says, okay, but because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill the wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. You know, 1 Corinthians 7, 4 in the Message Bible says, um, it says, marriage isn't a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. So again, we should, I mentioned this earlier, but really the, the secret to a better sexual relationship is to serve each other in bed. It's an area of service. You could call this an area of ministry. You know, this scripture we just read says, it it tells us that both the husband and wife have sexual needs, and it's the husband's job to satisfy the wife's needs and the wife's job to satisfy the husband's needs. You know, usually when sex gets bad, it's because one person or the other is focusing on their needs and not the other person. Rather than trying to serve ourselves and satisfy ourselves in bed, we need to learn to meet our spouse's needs. This requires communication. When both people's needs get met, 
your sex life will be more satisfying and the frequency we hope you enjoyed today's marriage by the book podcast make sure to like rate and review and hit the subscribe button for additional resources or to go deeper visit marriagebythebook.org see you next time and my prayer for you today is that you will apply self-control in your relationship and that you'll see your relationship blessed as a result and that everything is going to work out for your good and for God's glory in Jesus name. Amen. Have a great one.